Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's going on everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Allen, and welcome to the All In All Out podcast. I hope that every one of you who's listening, taking the time out of your day, is having a blessed day and a blessed week, and whatever time you may be listening right now, whether it's the morning time, afternoon time, evening time, or the night time. I'm grateful and appreciative for all of you taking the time out of your day to listen to what this person got to say. And right before we get into the episode, I would greatly appreciate any one of you to leave the show a five-star rating or any rating that's on your heart. Share it with your friends, your homies, your colleagues, your acquaintances, even your enemies. Share this show. Let it expand throughout the nations. And let's get this show popping. All right. For today's topic, we're going to, rather I, will discuss on knowledge and the importance on gaining proper knowledge. Now, what do I mean by proper knowledge? I mean the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Jehovah, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. I recall at the former church that I went to, the the pastor used to say from time to time that what you don't know will kill you. For example, if you didn't know that drugs were bad for you because you saw friends of yours, quote-unquote, you saw family members, quote-unquote, drink, you saw certain people smoke, and you saw that frequently, therefore you thought that was normal, that was condoned, That was okay. I recall growing up that I would see certain family members of mine at my household drink Heineke, rum, liquor. And I thought, well, we're supposedly a Christian household, yet liquor is allowed in the home. And people are actually drinking it. So growing up, I thought, well, I guess that's okay. Hey, if the adults are allowing it and they claim this is a Christian household, that must be okay. Well, that wasn't true at all. And because of seeing that growing up, during my freshman year of high school, when I had my short stint with alcohol and marijuana, it just caused more of a depression and more anxiety on top of that. And to a point where at certain moments during that school year, I just didn't care whether I got in trouble or not. I recall one day, (laughs) I got a, a bottle of rum or some form of liquor in the kitchen closet. Stole it, I, I wrapped it in a, I believe it was a shop right or stop a shop yellow plastic bags when they had that. <laughs> and I kept it in my book bag the entire day. Took it with me the entire time while school was going on. Because I didn't want the risk of it being in my locker and a janitor or a a teacher or whomever, go into the locker and discover the liquor. <laughs> but this just goes to show you my mindset back in those days. Because there were moments where I would just leave my book bag in the classroom, unattended, while I went to the restroom. And any one of my peers, any one of the students could have went into the book bag and discovered that bottle of liquor. 
especially during that time, because in that year, they were doing, I believe it was called Turtle Backpack. I, I, I don't remember the exact name of the, the action, but they essentially would take everything out of your book bag, turn your book bag <laughs> inside out. It happened to me a handful of times and then put everything back in and you would be gone for the restroom for two to four minutes and your book bag would be in that predicament. I recall, <laughs> I recall this one guy named Theo who had a, I, I, again, I'm not sure if it was official or not, but I just heard peers of mine say that he got a bipolar issue. Because there would be moments where he would be calm and gentle. And another moment, he'd just be angry. He actually didn't like me because he had a crush on my, ex on my girlfriend at the time. Anyway, anyway, I recall one time in English class, I believe, he just, I forgot who he cussed out or, or just yelled at. And said, like, if you ever, he was a big guy, probably six foot at the time, played football and whatnot. He told somebody, and I was there. He said, you know, if you ever do that, to turn the book bag inside out, I'm going to hurt you. And as far as I know, nobody touched his book bag. But the point is, you know, I grew up in a household at a certain period of time where I thought that was okay. And because I didn't know better, I didn't have the knowledge of the word of God when it came to alcohol, you know, scriptures such as be sober and be vigilant. Another scripture said that your body is the temple of the Lord. Another scripture, I believe in Isaiah, where it reads that God created us for his glory. See, I didn't have knowledge of that. And because I didn't have knowledge of that, and I wasn't even saved then, I didn't even give my life to Christ then, that I made the, those choices that I did. And we're going to see now in the book of Hosea where it talks about how when people don't have the knowledge of God, the word of God, and taught to them, in the right way, rightly dividing the word correctly, they are destroyed. The life is destroyed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So let's go to the book of Hosea, chapter 4. Follow me in the scriptures, y'all. Follow me in the scriptures. Hosea chapter 4. It reads... Hear the word of the Lord, yea, children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There's, there's problems in the land of Israel. Because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Remember in the scripture, I believe it's in John 14, 6, where Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God except by me. When you don't know the truth, when you're unaware of the truth, properly taught to you, given to you, you don't know what is a lie and what is true. You don't know what is right or what is wrong. Even if someone shows you a scripture, if they don't have the proper knowledge to share it with you, instruct you in a proper manner, you can take the scripture out of context. For example, when people talk about judging, they claim, not they, that's a broad term. There are certain people out there, including some of my family members. I'll, I'll call them out. They're of the mindset that we have no right to judge. And they usually go to the scripture 
and Matthew chapter 7. And actually, we'll, we'll go there right now because I've been wanting to talk about judging for a while. I won't go in-depth. Well, I'm not necessarily going to say that. I'm going to go wherever the Lord leads me. So well, here we go. Hop over to Matthew chapter 7. And it reads, Judge not that yea, ye be judged. Excuse me. Let me restart. Matthew 7. Chapter 7. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye might, it shall be measured to you again. So people look at that. Certain people look at that and say, hey, look. Can't judge. It, it reads, judge not. And ye be not judged. When... <laughs> Well, you don't know or unaware of Scripture and its context. And that's why every Scripture in just that verse itself. Let me rephrase that. That's why every Scripture where it's just a verse as it is, sometimes you got to read down the Scripture for its proper context. Because if you go to Proverbs 31, and I'm going to read that real quick. Just bear with me. Hallelujah. Proverbs 31 and verse 9. God said, open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. All right. So God says right here clearly to open your mouth, talk. Judge righteously. Now, what is the standard of righteousness? It's God. That's God's word. To judge righteously. And plead the cause of the poor and needy. Judge righteously so you can help the poor and the needy. What are the needy people? People that need to be saved. People that need the gospel. People that need Lord God. Jesus Christ. Jehovah. The I am. The I am. Those type of people, plead the cause, help them, guide them, open your mouth and talk. Then if you go in the book of John, hallelujah, I believe if I remember correctly, hallelujah, it's in John, John 7, 24, Jesus Christ himself. God in the flesh said, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Clearly states, don't judge according to the appearance. So, for example, if I look at someone outside and I go to my boy and I said, Hey, look at that guy. He looks like a bum. Or I say, he is a bum. That's Jordan court. That's judging according to appearance. Because maybe he, that's just the way he wants to dress. And he could be a six-figure person. But when it reads judge righteous judgment, that means judge according again. Excuse me. Going back to Proverbs 31 and 9, judge righteously. Judge according to the word of God. By your actions, your fruits. Now, going back to Matthew 7, here's where you got to rightly divide the scriptures. Because if God is saying to judge righteously, open your mouth. And to not judge by appearance. But yet here in Matthew 7, verse 7, excuse me, chapter 7. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye might, it shall be measured to you again. So, what did God meant? What did Christ mean in Matthew 7? This is why we got to read down. 
First, judge not that ye be not judged. Simple. If you are gonna, if you don't judge, someone's not gonna judge you. All right, that's why it goes down to verse two. For what, for what judgment that you judge, you will be judged with the same standard, the same measurement. If I go and tell people that, say on a basketball court, and I tell someone, listen, you got to make both of your free throws. I'm judging you because you're not, say you need to make both of your free throws. And previously, that person went zero for two for the foul line, missed both free throws. And I go to the person and say, look, man, you got to make both your free throws. These are key free throws. You got to make them. But now I go to the free throw line and I miss two free throws. Now that person has the right to come back at me and judge me with that same standard. Because I opened my mouth and said, look, you got to make both your free throws. You got to do it. Because to say, again, in verse 2, the same judgment that you, that you make towards certain people, that's going to be, be measured back to you. That standard is not going to be held to you. If you criticize someone for being a, a poor dad, then if you have the luxury to become a father, you are going to be judged the same manner the way you judge that individual. That's all that's saying. Then we go down to verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Or how wilt thou say to that brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. What those two verses are saying, stating that how are you going to critique someone else in that specific situation, yet you haven't fixed yourself in that same situation? I gave the example when I was having a dispute in this manner with my siblings. If, <laughs> if I were to tell somebody, I'm just going to be transparent. If I were to tell somebody, look, you got to stop watching that pornography. But yet, I'm still watching pornography. I haven't taken the moat out of my own eye. So what right do I have to say to my brother or the person in this case about the, the moat that is, that is in his eye? That's why in verse 5 it reads, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. That's all Matthew chapter 7 is saying. It's talking about judging hypocritically. That's all. Not that we have no right to judge. Look, let me tell y'all something. People make judgments every day. What to wear, what to do, what to drive, what to say, how to act. We all, if we're going to go to work, if we're going to get this dog, if we're going to get this bird, if we're going to go to sleep at this night, if we're going to watch this movie, this TV show, this music song, we all make judgments every day. Even in the definition of the word judge, According to Merriam-Webster, 1828, it reads, to form an opinion 
about through careful weighing of evidence and testing of premises. Definition two, to form an estimate or evaluation, to form a negative opinion about, to hold as an opinion, to sit in a judgment, to determine or pronounce after the inquiry and deliberation. So even the definition itself, to form an estimate or evaluation. We make judgments every day on what we're going to do and amongst the things that I've listed. We are told to judge. And for people to say that we're not supposed to judge, those are the type of people that either have taken Matthew 7 out of context or they don't want to be held accountable for their sin. Because when we tell people that you're doing this wrong or that wrong, you're making a judgment. You're making a judgment. And it clearly states in Proverbs 31 and 9 and John 7, 24, to judge righteously. Open your mouth and judge righteously. Because... If we don't open your mouth and talk and tell people's right or wrong, how do you expect them to learn about the knowledge of God? As the scripture said, if he added, if he has an ear, let him hear. How do you hear? By someone talking. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all it is about judging hypocritically. Oh, and there's two types of judgments. There's the judgment seat of Christ, and then there's the judgment that I've discussed about in the last five, ten so minutes. People, when they think about judge, and I sense this, when they think about judge, they're thinking about condemnation. Now, if I were to go up to someone straight up and say and say because they're the cussing or they're doing something sinful and I were to go to them and say you're going to hell because you're cussing that's condemnation that's straight that's straight up condemnation and we have no right to do that none whatsoever but if we go to that person and say hey listen man you know, the, the scripture says not to cuss. It's, it's not godly to cuss. I, 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 recall, <laughs> I recall one time one of my colleagues, and this guy used to, it still does from time to time, but it was heavily excessive how many times he used the Lord's name in vain, constantly. Jesus, so-and-so, oh my G, constantly, oh my effing so-and-so, constantly. And one day when I was talking with him, I was dropping him off at his place, and I had a conversation with him about it, and I, and I asked him, listen, so and so. Not not that not that aggressive manner, but I say, hey man, are you aware of how constantly you use you use the Lord's name in vain? And he said, Yeah. And I explained to him why that's one, not good. And two, I gave him some alternatives. For example, if you want to say OMG, you could say, oh my goodness, or my gosh, or just don't say anything at all. <laughs> or you want to say, what the F, just say, what the heck, or what the. I, I recall when I was in business, in one of my business classes with junior year of college, as one of the main lessons the professor taught, Thomas O'Malley, Professor Thomas O'Malley, 
was his name. And he taught the importance of using more business professional words and taking out certain words of your vocabulary. For example, in this case, for example, instead of saying, so this will happen at the basketball court. Instead of saying so, you can take out that word and use therefore, this will happen at the basketball court. Or another big example that many people do is when they say, uh, um, the, uh, what I was taught, and I believe it, is that when you use that type of vernacular in your statements, your sayings, it comes across that you're not confident in what you're saying. And when people receive that type of energy, they're not going to believe in what you're saying. But if you pause for a moment, a handful of seconds, to gather your thoughts, that's why the scripture reads, we slow to speak and quick to listen. Meditate on what you're about to say before you say it so you can sound more professional clearly and the person that's receiving those words can understand mightily. Therefore, when I'm having these, that conversation with the individual, my colleague, I explained to him, you can use alternatives. Here's the reason why. You shouldn't do it. And I believe he got offended. He didn't say it, but that's what I, I believe because he made the statement, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> because I believe I came across as telling him what to do, but I was just encouraging him, guiding him to do better. And I will say that ever since we had that conversation, he has done it less. Yes. I don't recall why I got into that, <laughs> that portion of the, the episode, but let's go back to Hosea. Hosea 4. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Now here's God giving examples of why there's chaos in the land, swearing, lying, killing, stealing, adultery, break out, and blood touches blood. Verse 3, therefore shall the land mourn sadness, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priests. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Here's the key verse. My people, God's people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge. And that's so key. They reject the knowledge. And that's why God's people are destroyed. Because they have rejected the knowledge of Christ. This reminds me of the scripture in Romans chapter 1. Where it reads, let's see, where should I start? 
Verse, I'll start at verse 17. This is Romans 1, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God, revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. You see, God is not a selfish God. In this context of, he will reveal to you his glory, his manifestation, his works, the same works where he created the heavens and the earth. And it reads in verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, clearly being understood by the things that are made, even in even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible men, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creepy things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Again, going back to Hosea, lying was one of them. Stealing was one of them. Adultery was one of them. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And I'll, I'll just stop right there for the sake of time. God, Lord God, will never put us in a position to not know his glory. To not know his word, his truth, his righteousness. Uh, uh, even earlier today, I was on a TikTok live. I didn't actually chat with the individual. But this guy gave an example. He was talking about baptism. And whether baptism is a must, which it is. And the guy gave an example of... This would, in my opinion, is so unlikely. But again, anything can happen. Where he said, what if I'm on an island with my parents, and both my parents died, and I'm on an island by myself, and I'm truly trying to do good, but I don't know about Jesus Christ, I don't know about God, so on and so forth. Is God going to send me to hell because of that situation. First of all, God don't send people to hell. That's one. Because the scriptures say that, and I'll go to it real quick so I don't take anything out of context. It's in John chapter 3. Let's see. Where should I start? Okay, I'll start at John chapter 3, verse 16, the popular one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son. And this is the condemnation. The light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds might be manifest, that they are wrought in God. See, God don't condemn people. People already condemn themselves when they reject Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So when you go 
So going back to the example about what if you're on an island by yourself and you got no one there to teach you the gospel, share you the gospel. God will put you in a position to receive his glory, to receive his love. God will never, ever, ever let you live this life without him revealing his glory, his manifestation to you. That will never happen. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a graceful God. God will do that. Even if you're, on, even if you're by yourself, God will do that. I'll go back to Hosea. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected the knowledge. When you reject the knowledge of Christ, when you reject the knowledge of God, you're going to go down a road that's hell bound. You're going to go down a road of despair. You're going to go down a road of no hope and no peace. See, the difference between the Christian and the sinner and actually, Pastor David Lynn gave this statement or made this claim, which is biblical, that the difference between a Christian and the sinner is that regardless, we still got to go through trials and tribulations. But the difference is the Christian has the light at the end of the tunnel. There's hope at the end. There's peace. A peace that supersedes any understanding. And they know that no matter what they go through, no matter the trial, no matter the tribulation, no matter the, the drama, that as long as they remain faithful to God, to the I am, the I, to the, the I am, that I am, the same God of Moses, the same God with Jonah, the same God with the Apostle Paul, that you remain faithful to God. If you remain steadfast in the Word daily, constantly, 24-7, you will have a peace that supersedes any understanding. And that there's an end, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. While the sinner, there is no hope. There is no solution. They don't believe they could come out of their depression, their anxiety, their, their, their hate, their, their frustration. They don't have no answer. But in God, in Christ, there is an answer. There is a solution. When I worked at the AT&T job, I was going through many trials and tribulations. Many. I don't wish that on nobody. But I knew as long as I remained faithful to God and his word and to remain and gain knowledge in the word, that everything will be all right. That I still had peace in the midst of that wicked workplace and them wicked people. The wicked people that did not get riches by right. As the scripture says in Jeremiah, they that do not get riches, they that get riches not by right die as a fool. Even though I was in the midst of that. I knew as long as I remained faithful, I would be all right. As long as I remained in one accord with the word, I would be all right. As long as I remain in right relation, in right standing with God Almighty, my Lord and Savior, the one true God, I will be all right. And when you have that knowledge, 
you will never perish. You will never be destroyed emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, any form whatsoever. And we see in Hosea that in the land, there was controversy, there was drama. Because there was no truth, because there was no mercy, because there was no knowledge of God. And because there was no knowledge of God, there was, mm -mm, there was mourning in the land. There was sadness. There was depression. There was no hope in the land. That's why God said, my people are perished, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And it's not God's fault. It's because prophets were sent to warn them about God, the wrath of God, to tell them about the love of God. But because, going back to John, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They rejected the knowledge. They didn't want it. They rather read tarot cards. They rather read witchcraft books. They rather get markings of witchcraft. They rather read or get involved with astrology. They rather get involved with Hinduism. They rather get involved with the Muslim devilish religion. They rather get involved with Catholicism. They rather get involved with Jehovah Witnesses. They rather get involved with Buddhism. They rather get involved with all of these things. We're at the root of it, and just the bare core of it is ungodly. It's wicked. It's perverted. It's blasphemy. They reject the knowledge of Christ. They reject holiness. But God say, ye be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. They reject holiness. They reject the, the Christian faith. The holiness faith. And sadly, someone could reject the faith so long and be so prideful that they have a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is when no, someone could tell you something so many times. In this context about the love of God, the word of God. Someone could tell you the, the knowledge so many times. Give you evidence upon evidence. Break it down to you piece by piece. Uh, like a, a, a doctor. But because you're so prideful. You're so stubborn. You're so arrogant. You think you know it all. You, you, you don't want to leave your darkness. That you would just forget all about it. That you just completely ignore it. You don't even consider it. Don't even want to look at the Bible. Read the scriptures. I heard a guy once say, how can you make a, a, a definitive decision without even reading the word. How can you make a choice where your soul is on the line and not even read into it? I guarantee anyone that reads the Gospels will love Jesus and give their life to God. Guarantee it. I guarantee it 100%. But the key is, and this is why I've told certain people I've been ministering to and attempting to get to them, that if you read the word with a humble and contrite heart and really want to know, <coughs> really want to know the word of God, you really want to know who the true God is, Jesus Christ. If you really want to know who he is. You got to have humility. You got to have a contrite heart. You got to forget everything you know. And just go by what's written. 
Gotta go by what's written. And if you genuinely ask the Lord to help you, reveal himself to you, so you can gain that knowledge to have everlasting life, God will do it. But you gotta humble yourself. You gotta put away that pride and not reject the knowledge of God like the people in Israel of this time. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I also will reject thee that thou hast shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I, also, I will also forget thy children. You reject the knowledge of God, God going to reject you. As the scriptures say, he, let's see if I remember this correctly. He who denies me before God, I will deny them in heaven. I don't, re I don't remember what scripture that is, and I apologize if I butchered it. You see, these people that they say, oh, once saved, always saved. Listen, if you reject God, God's going to reject you. It's simple as that. God's not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. God's not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. But if you seek him, if you desire for him, if you yearn for him, God will be right by your side. Oh, hallelujah. So to all of you listening to the sound of my voice right now, gain the knowledge of the Lord. <clears throat> gain the knowledge of God. Read the word. Study the word. Listen to sermons that actually teach the word and not just emotion. I recall going to this church in the last handful of months and divided by someone. And they <laughs> this pastor cared more about the people's feelings than actually preaching the word. Don't listen to those type of preachers. Because those type of preachers and pastors will lead you astray. Will cause you to think that certain things are okay when they are not. Listen to sermons. Listen to a pastor who actually teaches the word. And if not, just read the word yourself. Pray daily. Fast daily. And God will reveal his truth to you. He will reveal his glory to you and give you that knowledge and understanding that all of us need to prosper, to have everlasting life, to have heaven on earth. Hallelujah. And to live in according to his purpose, his will, his way. As the scripture says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So you could be in a situation like me where I'm planning to go a certain way. I had everything lined up for this to happen, that to happen. But it didn't happen. But I know and I trust God so much that he got a better plan for me because I I've come into the knowledge of the word of God. I've come into the knowledge of the scriptures. Another example, being born again. I did not know. And I've heard it a handful of times about you aren't truly born again until you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Reference to John chapter 3, Acts 2.38. And I believe Mark chapter 16. Didn't know that. Said I was born again for years. Ten years it's been. This summer, it's ten years since I gave my life to the Lord. 
did not know that until I was truly born again, until I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but in the name of Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus, as the scriptures said. And that's another conversation for another day. But because God is so merciful, God is so loving, God is so graceful, God still filled me with the Holy Ghost, speaking of other tongue, tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. I did it because I didn't know any better. I, I did not know. But now that I know, glory be to God. The same guy I have referenced in this episode about using the Lord's name in vain, he brought up baptism. And now because I have the knowledge of baptism, the right way to get baptized, now I can share that knowledge so he don't go through the same thing that I went through. And that's why it's so important to know the knowledge of God according to what's written, according to what the scriptures state, not philosophy and not unrightly dividing the scriptures. And when you learn something new, be humble, be contrite, and don't be prideful. Don't get into your feelings. I recall a handful of times I got into a dispute with this one guy. Same guy invited me to that church I just referenced. And I could tell he was, very, he was emotional. I won't say very, but he was emotional. And all I did was give scripture and broke down what the scripture said as it was written. And every time we had these conversations, he has yet to say, I agree, or yes, Ryan, you're right. And I could care less whether he, he says that or not, but I'm sharing that as an example about being prideful, being emotional. I recall we had, <clears throat> we had a conversation about women preachers. And at the time, I was in a church where there was a woman pastor. And I didn't know any better. I lacked the knowledge. <clears throat> I lacked the understanding on why it's unbiblical for there to be a woman pastor, women preachers, women deacons, and they want to call them deaconess, ministers, and all that. I lacked the knowledge. I lacked the understanding. But once I went to the scriptures and I saw for myself, I permit a woman not to teach. And then other scriptures on top of that. And got revelation in 1 Timothy. And went back to him and I said, I read the scripture, I meditated on it, and you are right. The scriptures are right, first and foremost, but what you were saying was right. That's what you got to do, folks. You got to humble yourself and not be so prideful that you can't admit that you're wrong, that you can't admit that you were taught wrong, that you didn't know any better. Sometimes when you're in an environment for so long and falsehood for many things, your, your spirit, I, get, I always say, my spiritual eyes were shut to actually read the scriptures for myself because I've been under that for so long, I just took the man at his word for everything he said, and never questioned why wasn't this taught? How come this wasn't taught? Even when I had braids, I remember one of the mothers in the church went to me and questioned me about my braids and was telling me, oh, don't wear braids in church, but you can wear them outside of church. 
That didn't make no sense to me. And she didn't even give scripture why. But if she were to share to me, it's a shame for a man that have long hair. Do you not know that nature, so on and so forth? Because I didn't have the knowledge. And that's why, and I could go on up with different examples. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, it's important to know the knowledge of God, understand the knowledge of God, be aware of the knowledge of God, study the word of God, meditate on the word of God. So you're, you're formed as best as possible, not only for yourself, for your own salvation, that you could rightly help others. I'm wearing a colleague at my go- <laughs> going on. I'm wearing a colleague at my job. <clears throat> was asking me how to go about a certain situation with a certain individual, and I said to him, "The right, the the best thing to do right now is to continue to gain knowledge in the Word of God. Continue to learn about the Word of God." And is do your your best to walk with the Lord the right way. Now this guy, he isn't born again. I I, <laughs> I don't want to go off on the guy, but he isn't born again. And as I mentioned, he talked about baptism. We, we have yet to have that conversation, but that's why I said to him the reason why I'm bringing this up because I said to him. The best thing you can do right now is to gain knowledge of the scripture and just let your actions speak louder than your words. As the scriptures say, you will know them by their fruits. And this person that the colleague was concerned about is an atheist. And I said to him, look, if you're being consistent in the, in, the, in the word of God, it will show and it will eventually rub off on this individual in some way, shape, or form. But just continue to learn about the word of God, study the word of God, because you don't want to be in a position where you're questioned and you don't know what you're talking about. And if you try to talk about something, you have little to no knowledge of, then you're not going to sound confident. And when you don't sound confident, then the other person who's an atheist already has unbelief, and they may potentially have more unbelief. That's why I also encourage them, ask questions, have conversations, watch certain sermons. Knowledge is important, ladies and gentlemen. Knowledge is so important. And that's why you got to stay in the word. Stick to the word as it is written. Beware of the rudiments of the world, vain philosophy, deceit, all that. Because if you allow that to trickulate into your walk with Christ, now there's potential for confusion. So ladies and gentlemen, stick to the word. Study the word. Love on God. Love his word. Don't be like the people in Israel where they were in chaos. They were in mourn. The people there were lying, stealing, committing adultery. And the key, one of the key things are, is that the reason that God's people were destroyed, they were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And the reason for that lack of knowledge is because they have rejected the knowledge of Christ. They rejected the knowledge of Jehovah. They rejected the knowledge of God. Don't reject the knowledge of God. Embrace the knowledge of God. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.